all in this place to you, oh God. For you are in charge. It is not of us, but it is of you, Lord, that we come. It is of us that we worship this morning, Lord. It is of you that we honor. It's you that we distinguish. It's you that we set apart because you are holy. You are divine. You are awesome. You are the almighty God, the creator, the one and only, the great I am. So, Lord, in this place, the Potter's House Coral Springs has built you a sanctuary. And you are welcome here to dwell amongst your people, your people, the congregation of the Potter's House. In Jesus' name, amen. Now you may be seated. I mean, God, from the very beginning of time, when he created the heavens the earth, and he created man. He created us in his image. He created us for fellowship with him. It's our sin that has taken us away. It's our sin that has separated us from God. Now when God talked to Moses about this, because he, he desires fellowship so much, and they made God a dwelling place when he led them out of Egypt. The tabernacle of Moses, the tent of meeting, meeting, whatever you want to call it. This tabernacle stayed with them until Solomon built his temple. And when Solomon built the temple, if you remember reading about that, the glory of God, the kabod, of God was so strong that they couldn't even enter. And at the tent of meetings, when Moses finished the tabernacle, he had to stay outside because the glory of God was so strong inside. This is what we seek. This is why we worship. This is why we gather. We want that glory. We have a thing going on the first hundred days, a hundred days of glory, where we ask for prayer. We ask you to read scripture. We ask you to fast or do something. We ask for acts of generosity. And if you don't know what those are, there's a list over there. There's a piece of paper. There's several of them that have several different acts of generosity because God was very generous. He had an opportunity to extinguish all of us, but he didn't. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short that glory. God deserves our praise. God deserves our sacrifice. Amen. So as we journey through this tabernacle this morning, it is that kabod. The heaviness of God. It is his splendor. I'm going to read to you from Exodus 35, verse 22. It says, Then they came, both men and women, as many as had a willing heart. A willing heart. 
They brought their earrings, their nose rings. Yes, nose rings are nothing new. <laughs> they brought rings, necklaces, all the gold jewelry they had. Every man who made offerings of gold to the Lord. Every man with whom they found blue and purple and scarlet thread, fine linen, goat's hair, redskins of rams, badgers, they brought them. Everyone who offered an offering of silver and bronze brought the Lord an offering. And everyone with whom found Acadia wood or any work of service brought it. All the women who were gifted artisans spun yarn with their hands and brought what they had spun of blue and purple and scarlet and fine linen. All the women whose hearts stirred with wisdom spun yarn of goat's hair. The rulers brought onk stones and stones to be set in the ephod and the breastplate and the spices and the oil of the light for the anointing oil and the sweet incense. The children of Israel brought a free will offering to the Lord. All the men and women whose hearts were willing to bring material of all kinds to work by the Lord, by the hands of Moses as it was commanded. Today we bring our tithes and our offerings to the Lord in the same fashion. We may bring gold, we may bring silver. I've had people give us cougarans. But you bring your tithe, you bring your offering, you bring your service, what you're good at, you serve the Lord. Amen. This is what these people did to build this tabernacle. The tabernacle consisted of three places, three different areas, three different sections. There was the outer court, there was the holy place, and there was a holy of holies. There was one way to enter the tabernacle, and there's only one way to enter God's presence. There's only one way today to enter God's presence. So we learn from this. The first object you encounter as you come through that gate into that outer court is called the altar of sacrifice or the brazen altar. It's been called the altar of worship, but this is where it begins. Those days you brought a sacrifice to God outside and God and the priest took your sacrifice they put it on the altar and the blood was shed in Matthew 6.33 it tells us to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well but you got to seek first the kingdom. The altar is your first opportunity to worship. It's your first opportunity to worship. It is the shedding of blood there for the remission of your sin. Because the scriptures tell us without the shedding of blood there can be no remission. 
There can be no forgiveness of your sin without the shedding of blood. Thankfully, Jesus shed his blood for all of us. So we all have the opportunity to have our sins put in remission. But it's because of Jesus. He sacrificed himself on that cross. That blood of Jesus gave us power to be forgiven of all sin. All sin. You think about that. So it's getting to be that time of year. The second piece of furniture is a washing basin. The priest called it the laver. The priests had to wash it in daily. They had to wash their hands and their feet from the contamination of the world, just like we do. We have to be washed clean. This outer court was outside. It was in the the day. It was outside in the earth. And it represented the flesh of mankind. This is where we deal with the flesh. Our sins have to go in remission. We have to be washed clean by the blood of Jesus. We approach God the same way. God, forgive us of our sins, O Lord. In the name of Jesus, wash me clean. What does it say? What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. How precious is that flow? Think about it. That can make me white as snow. The blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus washes us clean. Now you're ready to go inside. Now you're ready to enter that holy place. Your sins have been put into remission. You've been washed clean with the blood. And now you go in. You go into that inner room. Into that holy place. Because you understand you have to be holy. To see God. You have to be holy to see Jesus. If you're not living righteous and holy, you won't go to heaven. You can say as many sinners' prayers as you want. It isn't going to get you there. You're going to have to have your sins in remission. You're going to have to change your life. Mm -hmm. But the first thing you run into is a golden lampstand. As you come in, and this lights the whole inside of this tabernacle. The priests have to fill it every day. And they fill it with pure olive oil. And they keep it lit as to never go out. And that oil represents the Holy Spirit. That when you surrendered yourself to Jesus, the Holy Spirit came to dwell within you. And that's to never go out. That Holy Spirit is there forever. Unless you kick him out. But otherwise, he's there. Forever. There's symbolism there. There's six, there's three lights on each side, three bulbs. That represents six, the the number of man, the center trunk, 
makes seven the perfection of God. But you get the idea. There's the Holy Spirit dwelling there. Then the next thing you come up against is a table of showbread. Again, it's gold, just like the lampstand. Twelve loaves of bread on it, which will be eaten every week by the priests. But that represents the communion you have with God. Because when we take communion, we take the bread. Jesus served the bread. He said, remember me because this is my body broken for you. But that bread in that tabernacle represented a communion with God. And you have to have communion with God. You have to spend time in his presence. Or you'll never get to know him. I mean, you guys that are married, you didn't just walk down the street, grab somebody and say, let's get married. Oh, you look good. Let's go pick them up at the gas station and take them home. No. You built a relationship with them. God wants that same kind of relationship, but he wants even more. He wants you 24-7, 365 days a year. When you wake up, it's God. When you go to bed, it's God. All day long, it's God, God, God. God wants to live in harmony with us. But we have to be that sacrifice that went on that brazen altar. We have to be the one. We have to say, God, I give myself to you. I sacrifice myself to you. I surrender all of it to you, Lord. I'm all yours. Do with me as you may. And until you say those words to God, and until you do it, you're not living for God. You're still living for you. Because you're still making you number one. Until you surrender everything to God, you're not living for him. The next thing that we run across is the altar of incense. This is another golden altar. And it stays between the holy place and the veil. The veil that leads into the holy of holies. And this altar of incense lifts up to God our prayers. It lifts up to God us, our prayers, everything we have. It, leads, it says in scripture it has a sweet aroma. It also says in scripture that God gave Moses the formula to make this incense. It is only to be burned in the holy place. 
If you burn it anywhere else, you're under penalty of death. But it is us, our prayers lifted up to God. This is where we intercede. This is where we come to Jesus and say, Jesus, this is what I need. Jesus is our intercessor. Amen. Jesus is our high priest. Yes, Jesus is the one that carries these to God, the Father. He represents us, sinful humanity, carried before the Father by Jesus Christ. Hebrews 4.14 says, Seeing that we have a great high priest who passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. We confess our sins to Jesus. We are forgiven. And he takes them up to the Father. Hebrews 7.25 says, Therefore he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him. Since he always lives to make intercession for them. He always lived to make intercession for us. Jesus died so our relationship with God could be restored. And he lifts our prayers up to God. In Psalms, the psalmist writes, let my prayer be set before you as incense the lifting of my hands as an evening sacrifice. Does that give you an idea of why we lift our hands to God? We're surrendering to him. Amen. You are our God. You are our Father. We come before you, O oh Lord. We come before you. In Revelation 8, it says, And another angel having a golden censer, came and stood at the altar. He was given much incense that he could offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar, which was before the throne. We have angels carrying our prayers and just giving them to God in incense. Now you're ready. Now you're ready to go into the Holy of Holies. Now you're ready to do what a priest did once a year. He went in there to make sacrifice, to take the blood offering for the sin of man once a year on the Day of Atonement. But you can go there every single day. Anytime you want, you can go before the throne of God through Jesus. If you want to know, the Ark of the Covenant was there. And in it was the Ten Commandments. In it was a jar of manna. And in it was Aaron's rod. These three objects pointed to the very heart of what it meant to be in relationship with God. 
that he is holy. And the Ten Commandments. And it's reflected in his law. God is holy. Amen. God is divine. You, you don't understand how holy. The world today has taken God and, and just destroyed his image to people. I mean, you think, you know, you can just get God on the phone and say, hey, you know, I need a new car today. Oh, God, I need this, I need that. you got to be properly prepared to go before God. I mean, there's protocol. What if you wanted to go before Queen Elizabeth? You don't think you'd have to go through all kinds of protocol to get there? you got to do the same thing to God. You got to be washed clean. You got to be a sacrifice. Amen. You got to be living right. Amen. You got to be lifting up prayers. You got to realize He's holy. Amen. Scripture tells us, "Be holy as I am holy." God is generous. This is what the manna represented. That manna fed those Israelites the whole forty years. They were. They're in the desert. And God is taking care of you every year that you lived in the wilderness. Every single year you spent in the wilderness, you're still here. So God took care of you. He was generous. He didn't extinguish you. And then you have the rod of Aaron. Just a stick. That he brought to life like a living tree and it bore fruit. A stick God brings to life and it brings fruit. Why? It shows that God is powerful, that God is the creator, that God can do anything. Amen. This is what's in the ark. And some separate the ark, some theologians separate the ark from the mercy seat which is on top of the ark. This is where God's mercy is poured out upon you. Today's church needs a mercy seat. Needs a big one. People want big mercy seats, little altars. They don't like coming to the altar. They don't like coming to the altar in any church. Some people are embarrassed. We have an altar that goes all the way around. Huge altar. You got to go to the altar. God will put you on the mercy seat. He is merciful. He is a merciful God. But you got to go there. Things don't just happen. I mean, once a year, can you imagine that? Once a year, a priest would go in, sprinkle the blood of a bull and a goat upon it to sing, symbolize people's sin being taken away. First John 2 2 says that he himself is appropriation of our sin. Jesus, he's talking about. Not only for ours, but for the whole world's sin. And all of us want mercy. All of us need a big mercy seat. Our baggage, 
we would have to pay so much money to carry our baggage on an airplane. There'd be so much overcharge for every one of us. Thank you, Lord. We'd have to get cargo ships to carry it. But Hebrews 4.16 tells us this. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace in our time of need. This is what Jesus Christ brought on the scene. This is what Jesus Christ did for us. We can now go and acquire the mercy that we need whenever we feel we need it. But we got to do it properly. We got to do it the way it needs to be done. Amen. So as we close this, as we take it, what is the message of the tabernacle? What can we learn here? We know that it was a portable tent, that it went everywhere with them. We know the Holy of Holies contained the Ark of the Covenant and the mercy seat. We know the holy place contained the golden Ark of Altar of Incense, the table of showbread, and the golden lampstand. And we know the outer court had the brazen altar and the brazen lamp. And this is the way we have to approach God. We have to get rid of our flesh as we enter that outer court. We have to get rid of it. The, the tabernacle can be described in one word, the way. The way to Jesus. It is God's appearance or approach to man in grace. And it's man's approach to God in faith. We approach God in faith. He approaches us with grace. Man comes to God, he must begin at the gate. He must begin and accept the blood sacrifice of Jesus Christ. We must do this if we want the glory of God in this church. We have to come prepared. Amen. This is why we sing songs of worship. This is why we pray right off the get-go. To get us right with God so his presence can fall. We surrender its service to him. Thank you, Lord. The brazen altar to the Ark of the Covenant is man's approach through faith. The Ark of the Covenant back to the brazen altar is God's approach to man through grace. It's God's plan for salvation and it's illustrated these ways. The gate of the outer court in Matthew 7 it says this, enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And I think you could all agree with that. There are many ways, who, many, who go by it. But the narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life. And few will find it. Mark those words. Few will find it. 
So many people sitting in churches today around this country and around this world have been so deceived by who they have made God to be that they'll never see his presence until they change their wicked ways. The way of reconciliation is the altar, the brazen altar. Second Corinthians says that is that God was in Christ reconciling the word world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them. He has committed us to re reconciliation. <coughs> Jesus came so we could be reconciled. Amen. Otherwise, we would never even be talking Amen. about this. This church would not even be here. Nope. The way of separation, what cleansed us from our filth of the world, what cleansed us from our worldly ways, what washed us clean. If you remember when Jesus was washing the feet of the apostles, he was doing it out of servanthood. He was showing them that we got to be good servants. I mean, there are things you need to do as a follower of Jesus that your egos are going to take a hit for. Yeah. You're going to have to learn to leave your egos at home yeah. and humble yourselves because God's going to ask you to do some things that are going to knock your socks off. But Peter stands up and says, oh, Lord, don't just wash my feet. Wash me from head to toe. Peter took it very spiritually. He knew he needed to be cleansed entirely. Jesus was doing a physical act of servanthood. Peter looked at it as a spiritual thing. Wash me so clean, Lord. Wash me clean. And then you have the way of illumination, the golden lampstand. John 8, 12. Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world, and he who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of light. You carry the light of life, each and every one of you. Leave the light on. Amen. Had to carry Joe, put it, let the light in. Amen. Then you have the table of showbread. It's a way to satisfaction. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger. And he who believes in me shall never thirst. What's Jesus saying? I'll take care of you. I am your Savior. I am the one. Follow me. And then we go to the altar of worship or incense. And Hebrews 13.5 says, Therefore, by letting him continually offer a sacrifice of praise to God, that is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Simple. When you're down and out, praise God. Amen. Yep. 
When you can think of nothing else to do, praise God. Amen. When you got no money in the bank, praise God. Amen. He probably saved you from buying a lotto ticket. Just praise God. Praise will get you out of there. Praise will get you out of that dump. The devil don't want you giving God your heart. He doesn't care if you come to church. But if you surrender your life to Christ, oh, he don't go for that. Give him thanks always. And then we have the Ark of the Covenant, the way of communion. 1 John 1, 3 said this. That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you, that you also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship that is with the Father and with the Son and with Jesus Christ. What more can you ask for? Just prepare yourselves to be in his presence. Learn to live there. Forget the world. You may have to exist in it, but you don't have to follow its ways. You are children of the living God. You are his. This place is his. We made this sanctuary for God to dwell in. Let his presence dwell here. Let's stand.